All right, yeah, so what I'd like to do is, before I have our Q&A time, is really give you uh, our vision, what we want to accomplish, what we want to see happen over there. And uh, it's been neat to see God, even as we're on deputation, continue to develop this. And uh, we've had the privilege of being over there. I've, I've been over there three times in uh, where we're going to be working, helping out with different ministries. My wife has been over there twice. And so uh, hopefully this will give you really a good idea of what we want to see accomplished over there, but also uh, hopefully it'll spark some questions as well. So, um, but we are um, Brett and Brittany Stowe. If you don't know that already, then one more time and uh, hopefully you'll get, get our names there. But uh, we're pursuing church planning in the city of Nizna, South Africa. We do have an addition now, Isaiah, and he was definitely not around when we were here last, uh, but he's exciting. We're, uh, we're so thankful for that blessing in, in our life. So we're sent out to Colonial Hills Baptist Church, Indianapolis, Indiana, and I could go through a whole testimony of how we, we came there, but I won't, uh, but it's been neat to see them partner with us, just be all behind us and uh, support us, even in our survey trip and everything. It's been uh, a very good partnership. We're thankful for them. Um, we will be, oh, sorry, our, our, our mission board is Global Baptist Mission. That's a ministry of Colonial Hills Baptist Church. And so we, uh, both of those entities are out of one uh, place, Colonial, and we're thankful for that. Maybe we'll say more about that uh, in, in the Q&A, but uh, just to give you some, some more information about that. We'll be working with Dave and Julie Rudolph, and they have been church planting missionaries in South Africa for 30 years uh, if you know where Cape Town is, it's all the way on the southwestern coast of South Africa, and that is um, where they were for 20 years. And from that, they, they saw, uh, I forget the exact number, but about four to five churches planted in the Cape Town area. They didn't directly plant those, but their team was involved in, in all of that, and I think they directly planted maybe two of those churches uh, and since then, they've moved to the, the Garden Root area. It's spelled R-O-U-T-E if you try and Google that and look that up. But um, they've been there for about 10 years. They've seen, again, the same estimate, uh, about four to five churches planted and all across the Garden Root. Their heartbeat is really for the Garden Root area. I'll say that more about that in just a minute in another slide. But um, Dave, is, he's just really would love to see not just, you know, he's, he's, very, he's a visionary guy. He, he'd love to see multiple churches started along this area uh, with, with a lot of people there. So we're praying for that and to be a part of that as well. Uh, he also started an organization called Nice and Hope, and that's simply a platform that we can do different outreaches within the community. But a big, big part of that as well is the camp that we do every year, uh, a youth camp, the way that we provide funding for that and uh, basically provide all the ins and outs, the, the business part of the camp uh, funnels through that, that organization. So we're able to, again, provide finances for, for campers, um, raise funds for different uh, outreaches that we do. Uh, a little bit about South Africa. South Africa is a multicultural place where first and third world meet. I'm sure we'll talk about, about that more as well, but uh, it's amazing in South Africa to see all those different cultures coming together. You have first world. There's a, there's a mall in the city. There's, there's a grocery store. There's different aspects. It's not quite as big as you may think over here, uh, but still, you'd be surprised. And then close to that, uh, there's just massive poverty uh, very third world conditions. The majority of people in the city would be in the third world category, um, but they exist together in one city, in one culture, and it just creates a, a unique dynamic that mo just you're not used to unless you've been to another country and seen and witnessed that. So uh, South Africa is very diverse. Again, uh, massive wealth, extreme poverty. They recognize 11 official languages. Their constitution actually says that. Um, it's not that people speak that many languages, but they, in their constitution, say we recognize these languages as our official languages, and there's 11 of them. So uh, it just shows you the melting pot culture that, that they are. Uh, what's their religious climate like? Um, it's an African cultural Christianity mixed with a European postmodernism. Uh, many people would say they're Christian. That's because their country uh, happens to be a Christian nation or, you know, their history or maybe their parents have gone to church, but again, they, they know nothing of Christ. They know nothing of the gospel message. Um, doctrine is very, very in need. Really, you could say in Africa as a continent. Um, we're seeing people that, quote unquote, come to Christ, uh, and they're not being led, they're not being shepherded, because there's, there's no true doctrine being given to them. But South Africa also has a very high European influence. 
uh, and in that you have a lot of just relative, I don't need, I don't need religion. You know, there's, what's the use for it? So uh, a couple pictures of some animals as well. Uh, there's some elephants. We don't actually see those walking down the street. Uh, you have to go to a game park where we are to see elephants, but they are there. And there is a Nisna myth or legend of elephants roaming around. Um, I don't know if it's true, but there's a legend. That's kind of cool. Uh, here's some more pictures. The snake spiders, baboons. Baboons are everywhere. Uh, maybe I'll say more of that later too. Funny story there. Um, but there's also, here's some pictures of the city that we'll be working in so you can kind of get a visual. Uh, what does it look like where we'll be? What, what type of ministry will we, we be involved in? Here's some of the nicer part of the city. This is where the cafes would be, a lot of tourist shops, a lot of um, rentals, maybe uh, housing rentals and stuff like that uh, towards the water area. So this would be the nicer part of town. Again, overlooking a lot of the houses on the hill. You have some boats there. And then you transition to the township area. And this is just, again, total contrast. I'm trying to think of the percentage. I'm, I'm not sure how much would be township compared to non-township in the city, but um, it's, it's very significant. A lot of people living in the township area. And then more pictures of the township there. <clears throat> and this would be a grocery store in the township. Interesting thing is everything functions through the city. So most township people come to the city for everyday life, for work. So they could come to the regular grocery store in the city, uh, but if you were to stay in the township and, and that's all you had and say they never got out, uh, this would be similar to, or this would be a grocery store in the township, and that's about it. There's, no, uh, there's nothing else to that. Um, what you see there is, is pretty much what's in the grocery store. So what's our vision? And I'll explain this uh, very quickly, maybe... Uh, more later, but we want to plant a multi-ethnic church in the city of Nizam that will seek to make disciples, develop leaders, and establish other churches. And I usually, I really define that term because it's, it's very popular right now, multi-ethnic, and I don't throw that in there because we just want to be popular, uh, and it sounds trendy. Uh, we believe very wholeheartedly that especially in a South African context with their history, uh, with their demographic makeup, with uh, the three main groups that they have, the whites, the coloreds, and the blacks, and those are, those are South African terms. Those are not derogatory. That's, they would call themselves that. Uh, we believe it's very important to be intentional from the beginning that we're trying to reach all of them. Um, now, that, that's not an easy task, I will say that, that you have many cultural things going on there. Uh, but we do, from the beginning, want to be intentional uh, to reach all of those groups, to have a church uh, that, again, can potentially not only reach them, but then send out um, other from different ethnic groups to, to go plant other churches. So our goals to find, I guess, is number one, we want to plant this multi-ethnic local church in the central part of the city of Nizna. Uh, we will show a map in just a minute, but we believe that right there in the center of the city is the best area to do this. There are some churches spread out throughout the city, and our broader team would like to spread out and see different churches started around the city. Uh, but for what we're trying to do, we really think right there in the middle is the best area. Our second goal, we'd love to disciple leaders uh, from black and colored ethnicities that can plant churches in their communities. The best way to reach the township is for a township person to plant a church in the township. That doesn't mean that we don't do any ministry in the township. That doesn't mean that we, um, we just stay away in, in the comfortable uh, city. Uh, but it does mean that if we can find a few people that maybe, especially the younger generation in South Africa is very globalized. Uh, they're on YouTube. They have social media. They're, uh, they're not caught off guard when they hear me talk about LeBron James or just stuff like that. Um, the, the younger generation, we think there's a lot of potential there to try and find commonalities uh, to get involved in their life, whereas someone that's uh, older from a South African apartheid era, it's going to be a lot harder to do that. And so we'd love to find those that we can pour into, uh, see come to Christ, develop them, send them to their own communities to see churches planted. And then uh, long-term goal, this, we'd love to see this happen. Maybe we're not even around for this. I, I don't know. But uh, we'd love to send out local South African church planters to plant churches along the garden route. South Africa, and even maybe the rest of the continent. South Africa, uh, we have someone on our team who has a vision for this, but uh, South Africa is very strategic for the continent of Africa. That's where, that's where most of the money in Africa is. That's where um, you have that bridge between 
uh, globalized modern culture, but also it's still very much African culture. And I can see uh, the Lord using South Africa as a launching pad to see the continent reached uh, for him. So um, here is our city. And you can see uh, the lagoon there. To drive all the way around the lagoon will take 25 to 30 minutes, depending on traffic. So if you go there and back, it's close to an hour. And we, uh, we think the best way to reach Nisna is to spread out and see multiple local churches started within these different community, communities all around. Um, there is one church that's already been established, and, and that's more towards the eastern central part. We would love to see our church planted right there in that location right in the middle of Nisna. And I think there's some other areas on the left. You see Brenton-on-Lake, Brenton-on-Sea, and it's pronounced Belvedere Village. Um, those areas are being targeted. There's not a work there yet, but they're being targeted by some of our team members. So, And then here's a map overlooking the city, and you can see this would be the general area where the, our, our church would be. And you can see how the, uh, the, the city is spread out. If you're looking all the way across the lagoon, you may very faintly see some of those communities, and, and, and they're not quite villages, but I guess you could think of them that way, villages across the lagoon, and so that's why we think it's important just to spread out where a lot of people, um, they, may not, they may not come all the way to the other side, but uh, most of what they do centers around there. So, <clears throat> And then to the left of the picture, you can't see it, but there's a lot more city to the left. This just I didn't do a panorama on this one. And then this is the garden route. You see all those communities along the garden route, and uh, if you were to total up all of the population of those cities, it'd be about 500,000 people. Uh, now, they range everything from a rural 300-person community to uh, broader uh, George, a city that's not too far from us. In, in its uh, all the you know, broader context, there's about 200,000 people. So that, you're going to go about that a lot different than uh, country 300. <laughs> Uh, the, the more of a rural context there. But again, we'd love to see Nisna used as a launching pad for further ministry along the garden route. Uh, Dave Rudolph, he thinks it's very strategic to do that, and that's really one reason he picked Nisna um, in order to do that. So uh, our support level, we're, we're almost to 75. We say 75 because it sounds cooler than 74. Uh, but we are about 75%. Uh, a big prayer request now we do have is outfit and passage. We're about 11% of that. And that total, and so that will include a lot of our expenses to get over there, traveling, uh, visas, car, rental down payment, and, and all those kinds of things. But we, um, we also have a ministry in closing called the Garden Root Youth Camp that we do once a year, uh, a great way to build relationships with young people already. And we've already seen uh, at least one I know of come to Christ We've seen these kids, we're developing a relationship with them. We're trying to plug them back into our churches, and, and we've seen a lot of fruit from it. So continue to pray for this ministry. Uh, but here's some pictures of that that we have. Um, there's one of the study times, lesson times, and then there's small group study. And then that's food time, one of the highlights. Some of these kids get one meal a day, and so when they come to camp, it's like party time. Uh, so they loved it, but... And then you see the kids there. Again, pray for them. A lot of different situations they're going home to and uh, just really conditions that make it very hard to live for Christ. So uh, thank you so much. I think we'll just transition to Q&A now. Yes. All right. I'm sure as Brett walked through that, you've probably got some questions. But since I'm the pastor, I get to start. So I've got a couple of questions. Uh, We'll go ahead and get a couple of mics here. Brother Phil, who is our missions director, and Brother Dwayne, if I can get you guys to help me, we'll use 29 and 26 sound booth. And then we've got Brett on his wireless lapel, but we'll give Brittany a mic too, just in case she wants to say anything, just in case. And so Brittany will be on 27, Brother Heath. All right, well, I've got about 15 questions, and I'll nice. try to keep it, keep it short here. Um, can you go a little bit more in detail to how you settled upon South Africa? Um, and I guess a more general question in the context of how you settled on South Africa was probably a general question that all of us struggle with or deal with in our life. And that is, how do you determine the will of God? <laughs> nice. Okay. No yeah. pressure. We'll, uh, we'll determine it right now, I guess. <laughs> there you go. Um, no, that's a great question because that, that's really a big part of our testimony. Uh, I... 
you know, I, throughout college and even uh, two, I did two years of seminary and throughout that time as well, I was very, you know, I was the standard. I, I wanted to serve God. And so people would ask me, so what are you going to do? And I'm like, I have no idea. <laughs> I mean, I, I hated that question. Uh, what are you going to do? Uh, but I knew I wanted to serve him. I had an interest in missions. And so I ended up taking a class my senior year of church, uh, or senior year of college in church planting. And that's where Lord, the Lord really started to grip my heart. That I was like, this would be really cool. I mean, this would just go into a community, telling others about Christ, organizing them together, seeing a local church established. I, I don't think I'd rather do anything else. Um, but I was still, you know, I wasn't ready to say, I'm going to be a church planner. Um, so, but I decided to take a, a grad degree in cross-cultural studies, see if God would have uh, that desire develop. Um, I've always loved to travel. I've loved different cultures. I just, I, I love getting to know different cultures and people. And so I said, I'd love to church plant overseas. I think that would be cool. I think that would be awesome. Um, so it was really just pursuing after that. I've never had a moment in my life where um, God was like, you're going to be a missionary or you're going to go to South Africa. In fact, there's a lot of there's been a lot of struggle, too. Uh, I wouldn't sit up, sit up here and say that from the moment we decided to go to South Africa, we have just been, you know, there's no doubts that Satan puts in your mind. There's no wavering. Uh, because that, that would take faith out of the equation. Um, and so we pursued it. We did a church internship because I felt like God, um, I felt like that was very biblical, the book of Acts, when Paul and Barnabas were sent out from the, the Antioch church. And so, again, South Africa came up because a missionary um, from our church, he's supported by our church, came through and said, here's a vision. We want to see a young couple come help us out because we're getting older and we want to see the next generation reached. And we, uh, our pastor recommended that we go talk to him. We talked to him about 30 minutes. I still remember it, and my wife would as well. Uh, it was just amazing to see how God connected us with, with this, this couple and we said, you know what? We don't know the 30-year plan, uh, but we know, we know that this is a great next step, and we want to pursue it and see what happens. We took a trip over there. We came back, and uh, really, it was, it was an aspect of, you know, there's this idea that you know this is what you should do, but at the same time, there's also, we chose to do it. I mean, we, <laughs> we decided to go to South Africa, and and God has continued to confirm that in different ways where um, it's, neat, it's a neat process. But. Amen. Guys, did you hear that? Uh, this missionary came through, which was Dave Rudolph, I, I assume, mm -hmm. and been in ministry for 30 years. And Dave spent 30 minutes talking to this young couple, investing in them, and it turns now into possibly a lifetime partnership. And I think that's encouraging for all of us to keep in mind that we never know when a 30-minute conversation with a young couple might make an eternal difference in their life. Now, Brett, as you were an or answering that question, of course, I think about all the questions that come up in my mind as a pastor and as we have conversations with our missions team about the value of the team approach to missions. So you mentioned in your presentation that you have a team. Now, is it just the two couples, the Rudolphs and you guys, or is, are there other people as a part of the team? Yeah, in the, in the broader team, um, there's about eight to nine families. Wow. Now, one of those is a, a single lady, okay. um, so it's not a couple. Uh, but we, we would meet every two weeks with them in that team. We would do different outreaches together. We do the camp. The camp is everyone coming together and helping with that. There's a Christmas carol outreach or um, something like that. Uh, but then we'll, we'll split up probably about two to three couples in, in different parts of the city to plant churches. So it's, it's kind of we're working together, but there's also um, there's some individual. You know, we're, we're not trying to plant multi-site. Yeah. Yes, that was going to be my next question yeah. is, is there's, this, there's this discussion about multi-site versus. And so what you're saying then is you're going to have local independent churches, but yet you're going to work together? We're going to try. Imagine that. We're going to try. <laughs> I love that. We're going to try. Um, that's great. Uh, what, with, with that question, sorry, I just got to thinking about another question, but um, 
Don't worry, church. We're going to give you a chance here. Be thinking. Hope you, uh, raise your hand if you've already got a question. Raise your hand if you got one. Okay, okay, we'll get to you. Um, I want to ask this one, and I'll come back to some of these if, if the church family doesn't ask them. But in your travels and deputation, this is really for me. I don't know if other folks will appreciate this, but in your travels, in the two years that you've been traveling, you've been in a lot of different churches. How many churches have you been in, roughly? Probably about 50. 50? 55 churches. In that travel, as you shared your vision and heart for church ministry in, in um, Nisna, and you talked about a multicultural uh, or a multi-ethnic church, discipleship, just that vision that you shared, what church that you've been in has cast the vision that you've seen here in America, wow, this church here I would like to take that and obviously every church is unique, but I see a lot of what I want to see accomplished in Nisna in the church that God calls me to plant. Out of the 55 churches you've been in, what's a church you've been in maybe recently or maybe back two years ago when you first started? Uh, I know we had a conversation at lunch as well about a couple of different ones, but no pressure if you don't want to answer that now. But has, has there been any that you've been in that you're like, wow, this is multi-ethnic, this is a church that's really God-centered mm-hmm. on the gospel, that you would kind of say, wow, that's, that's a church that I would like to emulate mm-hmm. some of what they're doing? Yeah. Um, you can answer this one. one, too. No, <laughs> I, there are. I'm trying to think through. This, uh, I think we, we go about it. I don't know if it would be exactly like how this is developed. I know our sending church is actually uh, trying to figure that out, that question out. Um, and, and, and it's a good thing, it's a good problem. Yeah. Uh, but they actually have a Burmese population um, wow. very close by, and there's a Burmese church that meets in one of our buildings. They're not technically under us, but they're, starting, they're trying to incorporate just to help them out. There's a Filipino group, there's a Congolese group that now meets at our church. Um, and so they're exploring how do we do this with, because especially uh, with those different languages, you know, how do you bring them into a service, but yet help them to keep that distinct um, culture? You know, you don't, we don't want to say they have to be American to, to pursue or to love God, to go to church, to be a good Christian. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, there's elements of that in our sending church. There is... Um, I do think that uh, Emmanuel Baptist Church in um, Connecticut, Newington, Connecticut, Carrie Schmidt's church, we were there. Uh, they, they have a lot of that element, and especially in, in an area that is more, that is close to the bigger cities. Yeah. We, we see more of that multi-ethnic. And an area um, that was supposedly dead to the gospel, but yet they've seen hundreds saved in the last six years. Yeah, and that, was, that was refreshing. And not just multi-ethnic, but there were a lot of... Um, of new believers there as well. So, yeah. Amen. Um, all right. Well, I've got more questions, but we'll let the church uh, ask some questions here. We want to hear from you, church family. So if you raised your hand earlier, uh, go ahead and raise those hands, and we'll get you a mic. Brother Andrew is going to start off. Hi, Andrew. Hi, Pastor. Hey, Brother. Um, we, watching the news lately, uh, South Africa's been in it, and there seems to be some negative things going on uh, regarding a constitutional amendment there, which basically takes farmers of one particular race and says, uh, we're taking your property. Does that reflect a general attitude among the population, uh, number one? And number two, um, whether that's most of the people or, or just people in government, uh, what challenges and opportunities does that present for you right now? Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of different nuances to that question, but uh, so the first thing is, and a very good question, uh, the first thing is there, you, you also, one thing to remember is the news is going to seem to like make everything seem like every single village is being overrun and, and taken, but land redistribution has been a big question ever since Mandela's time as well. Uh, Mandela promised certain things and it just didn't, it's not as easy as the government, they find that out. Um, so there have been some violent attacks reported, and those are very real. Uh, so we don't want to minimize that. That being said, there's no missionaries 
um, at least on our team that I've talked to that are worried about anything at this time. Now we do, we keep up with the news. We actually are, uh, the missionaries there are connected with the U.S. Embassy in Cape Town. So if there's something where, they'll, where they're like, um, we think American citizens are going to be in danger, they would report that to us. But you still have, even though we're post-apartheid and you're, we're, we're past that in a sense, that doesn't mean that the, the racial tensions are not there. The racial tensions are still there. They don't become as apparent in the sense of, you know, if you're this color, you go to this bathroom. If you're this color, you go to that one. So that's not there anymore as it would have been 40 years ago. Um, but that doesn't mean that, that that just, you know, the tension there just goes away. Uh, there is a positive for us because we're American. Uh, we're still white, so that's still going to be a barrier, but it's not near as much as you may think. And the fact that we are Americans, uh, they, they know that. <laughs> uh, we, you know, well, some people confuse us to be, I think, Brits, actually, when we were there. I was like, this is not a British accent. But <laughs> I, I would love that. That would be cool, but it's not. Um, so that actually does help us because a lot of the, the kids, even at the camp, um, I mean, there's, there's hardly any struggle to, to have fun with them, to get involved in their life. Uh, and where we are, especially with Cape Town close by along that southern coast, uh, they're used to getting a lot of tourists through the area. So our city's 70,000. Uh, during December and January, the, they call it holiday months, it goes to 200,000. Um, and it's, very, it's not made for 200,000 people, but that just shows that they're used to a lot of people coming through. And I think that helps us in the sense of um, they're not there's not as much animosity. But all that being said, um, that is something that we still, we keep in mind, we have in the back of our heads, and it could be, at some point, escalate. Um, I don't think the government would do too much, because that would, you know, that especially the, the president they have in now, he's a, he's a business guy. I think he had realized the business uh, that, that would take away, but you never know. So, it's happened before. Good question. Thank you, Brother Andrew. Who'll be next? While we're waiting for somebody to raise their hand. Oh, okay, we got Scott. Cool. Go ahead, Scott. Well, it's not really a question so much as um, I'd, I would just like to hear your testimony about how you came to know Jesus and what was it about him that captivated your heart enough to, for you to give your life to, for you know, sharing the gospel is good news. Yeah. Uh, so... Yeah, great. Probably the most important question. Um, I was, I have, similar to the classic, uh, I guess, pastor's kid testimony, I, I was, I truly believe, I'll say it this way, I truly believe I was saved at the age of five. Um, I grew up in Christian home, pastor's kid, and, and so I, I knew, uh, I knew the Bible. Um, I remember at five years old, I remember realizing that I was a sinner. I, I did not have Christ in my life. I remember, uh, I remember my dad sharing a verse with me and just thinking, I, I don't have Christ and I need him. Um, and from that point, I can see a commitment to Christ in my life where um, I, I never, you know, after that, after repenting from my sin, believing on the gospel. Um, now, that being said, I struggle with doubts a lot. Uh, even through, even through, if I'm honest, even through seminary, I still, I mean, I just, I was one of those that just, I nitpicked everything about my, my salvation experience, the, uh, you know, the classic, did I believe, did I have enough faith? Um, and, but I also did have certain elements throughout teen years in college as well, where I, uh, I did struggle with, with some sin as well in my life, and I wouldn't be surprised if that had to do with that a little bit. Um, but I do remember seminary thinking, you know, I, I believe that Christ died for me and rose again. I was like, I believe that. I mean, you, I, can't, I can't separate that from who I am. And an unbeliever doesn't believe that. And, and from that point, I, I did see victory in that struggle. I, I have not wrestled like that since that time, uh, by God's grace. Um, and there was a point where right, right before, um, we, or before we started the internship, before we got married, where I kind of had a breaking point again with God in my own personal life, 
Um, and, and I just said, Lord, I don't want to kind of play around anymore with, I want to serve you and I want to hold on to sin. Um, and, and that was a moment where I said, Lord, I just, I want, I want to spend my life. You know, it, it's, it's all about you. Um, it's, it's, I want to serve you. I believe you died for me, you rose again, and, and that is what I want to give my life to. From that point, uh, God, I've seen fruit in, in the sense of wanting to give our lives to, to the call of missions, wanting to um, tell others about Christ. Uh, not that there wasn't fruit growing up, but that was a, a definite. And I don't, believe, I don't believe that was my start of sanctification either, uh, to get theological. But, um, but I do think that that was at least a moment in my life that where God impressed upon me uh, that need, and, and I, I can at least remember that. So. You want to share just a brief word, Brittany? Sure. Um, excuse my voice. I'm, I'm struggling a little bit tonight. But I also grew up in a Christian home. My parents weren't in ministry, full-time ministry, uh, but they, did, they acted like they were. They were very involved in every church that we attended. We moved around a little bit because of my dad's job, so that... Um, required us to be in different churches, different schools, um, wherever we were at the time. But um, I was, they put, they put me in a Christian school from the very start, and it was in kindergarten after my teacher gave the Bible lesson. And I actually don't, I don't really remember what the Bible lesson was about. Um, I know that she must have mentioned, you know, salvation in Christ, um, because I, I, vividly remember sitting there in my seat knowing that I had not trusted in Christ and um, again I don't remember the time of year I don't remember even what age was I was I just remember realizing that I've heard this before but I actually haven't personally believed in it and I prayed and accepted Christ as my savior in my seat um, and I I never I've never really struggled with, um, you know, by God's grace, I really haven't struggled that much with. My wife's the rock in the family. No. <laughs> um, Aren't all wives. <laughs> so, but when it comes to missions and how the Lord worked in my heart with, with that, my parents, um, my dad was on a mission board for a while, and so he started you know, collecting all of the newsletters for all the missionaries on that board and um, little things like that that I saw my parents start doing as I grew up started to intrigue me a little bit more with each thing. And then with the one house that we moved to in particular, they purposefully bought a house that they could redo a basement and make a, a little home down there for missionaries to stay. And now being in the deputation process, I realize how wonderful that is when someone has a space like that. Um, and my parents have just tried very hard to um, make that possible so that they could host missionaries and things. And so probably actually, I, I listened to a lot of conversation with my, my parents and missionaries that we hosted while I was doing the dishes after dinner. And those were some very influential times where I was able to hear my parents asking questions and then the missionaries answering. And then around the same time, my school that I went to um, required that we read a book every month. We read a book a month. And so we were allowed to work ahead on it, though. And then another factor in that is that if we read a missionary biography, it counted for two months. So my motivation wasn't right, but my ninth grade year, I said, I'm going to get it all the books read in the summertime, and I'm going to read all missionary biographies so that I don't have to read as much. But <laughs> the Lord actually really used that to even further cultivate a desire of missions, and I was just intrigued that God could use people that way, and that God could, you know, that you could go to a foreign field and um, Reach, reach people the same way that you know, people do here in the United States. You're just doing it in a place that doesn't have the resources that we do. And um, so went to a, on a mission trip to Zambia, went on a mission trip to China later on, and just met him. And just everything that the Lord's brought into my life has further um, solidified in my own life and then as well as us as a couple that 
this is something that he had for me. Amen. Thank you for sharing. Well, who will be next? We've got a few more minutes. I have a couple of really quick questions with one just a simple answer. So are you ready? Brett, you can answer these. Number one, do you have to learn a specific language when you go with it being 11 languages? No, English is good, but we will work on Afrikaans to expand our ministry. Sweet. Number two, are you a Bama or Auburn fan? I'm sorry. <laughs> I shouldn't ask that. Uh, actually, the second question is, because we know you pull for Auburn, right? Yes, yes thank you. God, God bless you. Uh, funny story about the baboon. Just really quickly, give us the funny oh, story about yeah, the baboon. Weren't, weren't you all wanting to know this, the funny story about the baboon? Okay. Did I, does anyone remember? Did I, did I not tell it last time? I don't think so. I mean, I'm definitely going to tell it again. I just wanted to, okay. Do anybody remember? Um, so, baboons over in South Africa are, uh, they roam freely. They're, um, they're like stray cats and dogs. Think of it over <laughs> here. So, I, literally, you'll be, I mean, we had a video from a missionary last week or a couple weeks ago, and there's a baboon that, like, came and stole something in their backyard and ran away. Uh, they're smarter than dogs and cats. So the missionary, Dave Rudolph, I think when they were in Cape Town area, they would have a, a baboon that kept sneaking in their house um, because there's no, uh, you don't really have houses that, that have AC units in them. Uh, you have to buy separate, like mount them up, up on the wall units, but houses don't just come with those. And so people open their windows and this baboon kept sneaking in their house so much they, they actually had a name for him. They called him Bobby. So Bobby the baboon was a frequent to the Rudolph household. And uh, one day, Dave Rudolph is hungry at night, you know, so he's deciding to go down to his kitchen, uh, and he sees his son at the, the fridge looking in to get something to eat. Uh, so as he walks closer, his son's uh, very hairy. Um, <laughs> and uh, as he gets even closer, his son turns around, and it's not his son, it's Bobby. And it's like creepy, you know, he just slowly turns and looks at him. And so Bobby jumps, uh, Bobby's jumping around the kitchen, it's at night, you know, he's throwing bananas, just throwing just trash in their kitchen. Dave Rudolph's panicking because Bobby's right there in his kitchen. Um, and so he gets a paintball gun and, and, and chases Bobby the baboon out, out of the house. Um, so that's the Bobby the baboon story, but they, uh, baboons are actually protected by the government, uh, so you can't, like, you can't kill them. Uh, and they're, they're actually pretty dangerous uh, creatures. Like, no doubt. They, uh, they, could, they could kill you if yeah. they realize it. A male could probably kill you, uh, but most of the time they run away, so, which is a plus for us. They're only scared of males, though. They aren't scared of females or kids. Oh, wow. So. Well, that story is don't find an angry baboon in your <laughs> kitchen at 2 a.m. in the morning. Oh, wow. Um, do we have another question? Yeah. Go ahead, Herman. You, you took my first question about language. But okay. That's all right. Uh, I'm, I'm retired from the military, and I, I plan out worst-case scenarios. Mm -hmm. uh, I heard the brother talk about the, the uprisings and such. Mm -hmm. in, your, in your mission plan, your mission board, do they, I mean, I, I heard the embassy is there to protect you, but if you had to leave because of maybe a crisis back home mm -hmm. or because of an uprising in Africa, is that built into your support plan or... How's that we work? we Question. have a plan put together for that, um, and so as far as like support, like a, a payment number, if that's what you're asking, uh, we don't have like a, a set uh, monthly payment to an organization that flies us out or anything. Yeah, we we don't necessarily have that. Uh, we will have savings set aside, um, but we do have an evacuation plan set up for to get out of the country if something like that were to happen. So there's a uh, a rally point. Um, we have a path, different paths to get to different rally points in different cities if we need to, and then really we'd be getting to the closest airport in order to um, to get out of there. So, good question. Anybody else? Holly, I see that hand, Holly. Holly's putting on the ice cream social here in just a little bit. I have a question about the kids. You mentioned the school. Some mm -hmm. of them was eaten once a day. What, what is your plan on getting over there, reaching those children? Is it easy to get into school? Are you a teacher, Brittany? Are you where you can go in those schools and maybe do a similar to a good news club or somehow another to get involved in school? Mm -hmm. You want to take it first? 
Yes, uh, my, I got my degree in English education. And so it's, we have other team members who are teaching music in the schools right now. And it is very easy, especially when you are going in on a volunteer basis where you know, they don't feel the pressure of having to pay you. Um, so that is something that I think as we are there and as you know, we get settled, that's something that we'll pursue um, to see if I can do. And you'll probably say more on this, but right now, one of the headmasters, which is the equivalent to a, an administrator or a principal of the school, is a Christian right now. So he's very open for Brett and some of the other men on the team to come in and you know, speak about the Bible and to teach on it. And um, so right now, it's a very good relationship with the schools, you know, with the other missionaries. And that is definitely an opportunity that we have. You want to add to that at all, Brett? Or? I mean, she basically got it. But yeah, the, the school's uh, is very open. Um, like I would love, I don't, I would love to coach soccer or something like that. Uh, get in and help out with the, uh, the kids. So, the it's it's really it's a wide open door for that, uh, especially right now with that headmaster. A lot of the the main school we have some missionary kids that attend there. And that's where some relationships have already been started with uh, Bible studies that they're doing for younger, younger people, right? The team members that are there now. So, yeah, big opportunity in the schools. Great question. Anybody else? Any other questions? Yeah. Oh, we're, we're about to get there, Herman. Josh. Yeah, mine, mine's just practical. Like, um, do you have a drop-dead date? And then you call it outfit and passage, is that mm -hmm. right? What's, just so we can have a concept of that, what yeah. amount do you need? Uh, yeah, outfit and passage, we're looking at 35000 um, Now, that, that's an estimate. So if we can ship cheaper than, you know, five grand, well, then we'll try and do that. Uh, but that's, that's the rough estimate, including shipping, um, medical stuff before we go over there, uh, car is a big part of that. The cars are about 40 to 50% more expensive in South Africa. Um, some of that will be uh, the different appliances for whatever living quarters we have. Um, houses there don't come with appliances, so uh, when you move in, you're getting whatever. Uh, even, even rentals. Sorry, yeah, even rent, rentals we won't be uh, buying. Um, and so with, with all those things, we've estimated our mission board and talked to them about 35,000. Uh, what was the other question? Dropped. Okay. Is that like going over there date? Okay. Um, we don't have a specific Make it one so yet. Positive, Josh. <laughs> I plan on, anyway. um, we don't, we don't have a specific date set because we're looking or I'm looking at being ordained before we go over from our sending ministry. And that's going to coincide with our sending service. So we're at 75, uh, but we just want to be a little more there before we set that, simply because we don't want to make that move at 85, 90%, and then uh, say someone drops us when we get over there and we're going for two to three years on 80% support. So, um, But our target is the beginning of next year, and we would love for that to happen maybe uh, mid to late February, early March. We're really trying to get over there before the next youth camp that they run, and that's at the end of March. So that's, that is the latest that we want, uh, but it will all depend on our support. Great questions. Don? Pastor Don? So you said your uh, outfit and passage around $35,000. What is the cost of living there in comparison to here, and what is your basic monthly support uh, need? Yeah, our, our monthly support would be a little more than six thousand a month, so sixty-two, and that would include uh, taxes. Uh, we're government-wide, we're considered self-employed, so we pay that. Uh, that'll include ministry expenses. Uh, that'll include our saving for the future and all that as well. Um, for the cost of living, it's more expensive than over here. Uh, I don't have like a average number. I can give you specific details. So again, car, 40, 50% more expensive. Groceries are more expensive simply because they come in smaller quantity. So uh, example, you're not gonna go to the store and buy a gallon of milk. They don't really sell that. They sell uh, liters. And so 
you're going to end up, you know, even if it costs the same per visit, we probably have about half the amount of groceries. Uh, and uh, let's see, eating out, for some reason, is cheaper. Uh, we haven't figured that out, but it's great when we go over there. Uh, but yes, if you go to a restaurant, it ends up being cheaper. Um, I'm trying to think, do you have other categories? Housing. Um, housing is, it depends on where you are, but on average, it is more expensive. Uh, it, I'm trying to think of, I probably can't give you like a, a specific number. Uh, we've looked at general estimates, but what would you say? Like, um, what do you mean requirements of buying? Well, in order, so we'd have to rent um, for oh, us, yeah. we can't buy because as a foreigner, you have to put a 50% down payment on a house and then it's 10 to 12% interest rate. Uh, if we were to get a, we a mortgage get, over in the country. Right. And so we're in a position where we have to rent yeah. and that does cost. And so we'll, unless something happens, you know, God provides a lot, then we'll be renting for a, a long time as of right now. So. <laughs> And then with Brother Rudolph, uh, with him being there 30 years, has he kind of communicated to you, and obviously there's other people on the team, um, what's kind of his strategy for, is he gonna die on the field? <laughs> uh, what, what, what's kind of his, is he hoping that with all these people that he's brought into the team, mm -hmm. really imparting what he's learned, and mm -hmm. that's kind of how he's reproducing himself? Yes, and that's, that's a big part of uh, why our pastor recommended going over there. He said, you, this would be a great opportunity. Again, whatever you do in your life, uh, if you want to go into missions, go learn under a guy who's done it for 30 years in that country. Uh, he's from that country. Dave Rudolph's a South African citizen. Um, and so, yeah, that's a big part. Dave is getting to a point now in his missionary career where he, um, he has, they have settled in Nizna till till they're they're done that is their plan again god could do something uh and, and lead them somewhere else but their plan is to be in nisna till till they die um but he he's late 50s i don't know if he's 60 yet he's starting to get even now uh become more of a mentor role so they just planted a church he's he's passed that on to someone else and he doesn't necessarily have plans to start another church he wants to really kind of be a a mentor, a teacher to the team, enable them to, to do the work and, and, and kind of transition away from that, but into more of this mentorship role. Amen. Good question. Well, we probably have time for one more. So I see that hand, Vicki. So you got a mic? Can we get Vicki Page a mic? Thank you, Brother Dwayne. I have two questions, actually. One is, on your budget, how do you come to your amount that your monthly need is? Mm -hmm. Also, secondly, on these churches already planted, how many members are they running currently? The church in Nisna, I'll get to the other one. The church in Nisna right now that's been planted, probably about 50 to 60 members. Um, how we come up with our budget. So we started with Dave Rudolph, because we're out of our sending church. We started with Dave Rudolph sending us an estimate, and then our pastor connected with, two or three, I think it was three other boards. We took their numbers, we took Dave Rudolph's number, and we came up with a number that was actually slightly lower than that. And then uh, our board raised that uh, a little bit because they just wanted to make sure we didn't go over um, without enough. So, uh, but that's, that's how we came to our, our total. So we, we different categories, uh, ministry, personal living expenses, um, housing, taxes, all, all that stuff, and then we came to, totaled that up, checked it with other boards, and picked the number. Good questions tonight. I'm sure you probably have more that you can ask Brett and Brittany one-on-one -on -one over a bowl of wonderful, succulent ice cream, right? So we will uh, go ahead and have a word of prayer, but before we do that, our uh, Church family over the last several weeks has given to a uh, offering called Christmas in July. And so I'm going to ask uh, Brother Phil Watkins to come up here. He's the director of our missions team here and the people that serve on that. And Brother Phil, you just want to say a couple of words about what we have put together here for Brittany and Brett? Well, yes, we will. All right. We've got two things. 
We've got a basket that's got real nice stuff in it, mainly for Brittany to take care of, <laughs> take care of the little one. I think we got a tie in here and some other stuff. But then this is a card that from what you all have given, what we did, we took the money that you, you gave over Christmas in July, and we're splitting it amongst all of our missionaries. Amen. And should I tell how much it is? Sure, you can go ahead and tell them. That's $250 right there. Amen. So thank, praise the Lord. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> thank you. Brother Phil, you, you can see his design acumen there. No, that was actually Joyce that did that, putting that basket together. Thank you, Phil and Joyce, for taking the lead on that project. And thank you to everybody who gave towards that offering. We hope that that blesses you. Uh, there, 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 there's actually two gift cards in there because we couldn't get one with all the amount on there. There's one for 200 and one for 50. Y'all can okay. rock, paper, scissor. Yeah. Who gets which, you know, his and her. And, uh, and thank you guys so much for being here. I'm sure that we didn't answer all the questions. We could probably go for another uh, hour on Q&A, but uh, I'll, I'll tell you what really spoke to me, church family, just in talking with Brett and Brittany at lunch, and that is um, they understand that they can't go to South Africa and plant an American church. It will be uniquely Nisna. There we go. That even kind of rings together. It'll be uniquely Nisna, and I'll tell you this, that's exactly what I want for Fairview, uniquely Fairview. People ask me all the time, well, not all the time, but, but, but regularly, what kind of church is Fairview? Uniquely Fairview. Uh, and, and that's the joy of contextualizing the gospel in our local community, reaching people, and, um, and seeing people come to know Christ. Uh, thank you so much for answering these questions tonight, for kind of being put on the spot, guys. Hope it wasn't too grilling. That's great. Thank you. And uh, we're going to stand together. Brother Don, you come. He's going to close us in a word of prayer and any final instructions before the ice cream. Please remember, uh, teenagers and parents of teens, we're going to have a quick meeting. We promise we'll save you ice cream, but we'll get that meeting done in about 15 minutes and then get out there to join you. Brother Don, you close us and give us any announcements we need.